Let's face it, living the one thing can be difficult. We've got some challenging principles. You've got to learn how to change your mindset. We've all experienced them sitting in this room. Let's talk about what those pitfalls are and how people can work through them. Sounds good. Let's also, I just want to highlight it's challenging, but it's also highly rewarding, which makes the challenges worth overcoming. Yes. Um, if you're, if I get to go first, since I Please. get to be here today, you're the guest. There we go. I'm the when I'm trying to diagnose why someone is struggling to live the one thing, I'll kind of go through a progression, and they kind of build on each other. And the first thing I'll try to explore is: Are they really clear about where they're going? Right. So most of the time, I find out the vast majority of people lack clarity, and generality like kills planning. It kills execution. Like you need to be clear and specific. So we can go deeper on that. If they are clear, I find that their path is very unfocused. They don't really understand what it'll take to get them where they want to go, right? The activities, we can go deeper into that. If they're clear and they're really focused on the right things, the next thing they look up is they don't have time, right? They, they lack actually two skills. They don't know how to time block and then they don't know how to protect those time blocks. And you all have both been living the one thing. You understand those are separate skills. It's one thing to put it on your calendar. It's another thing to protect it once it's there and, and live it. So I, I usually walk through that and that takes care of about 80%. We figure out where the problem is and then say, why don't you try this on going forward? So let's start with clarity since that's probably where most people would fall is really not having a clear understanding of what their one thing is. Well, it's like, in the one thing has got two meanings, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, what's my one thing in the really big sense? Like, why am I here? Um, I'm usually addressing this more in the context of um, goal achievement. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not clear about even where they're going, where they're starting, or why they're on the journey in the first place. So when you're looking at someone's goals, like, I'm really trying to do X, and I'm living the one thing, but it's not working, that's how we got here. And I'll say, let's talk a little bit about your goal itself. And I often find, like, I think about goals as going from point A to point B. Point B is the destination. Like, will they know they've arrived? Are they clear enough about the goal to know, like, I've actually crossed the finish line? And might be true. That's actually a little easier for people to focus on this vision of what success looks like. Are they clear about where they're starting? Like, if I'm trying to get to Miami, it makes a big difference if I'm starting in Pittsburgh or if I'm starting in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I think a lot of people are kind of delusional about where they're starting. So, like, let's take an honest assessment. Where are you? So we can really now see, like, how far do we have to go? And how long are we giving ourselves? And the last missing ingredient is why. And uh, like we can go deep on that. And let's let's kick this one around a little bit. But why often I find the biggest clarity on, I'll just ask him. So Chris, you know, if you don't make it to Miami, what, what happens? And I'm looking for a consequence. And if they say, well, I'll just go to Cleveland instead. Then I'm like, okay, there's not much motivation to get there. Mm. And they they need to be clear, like, why did you set this goal in the first... Why did you want to go to Miami again instead of Cleveland? Because maybe you should just be going to Cleveland. Yeah, and so the the why is really interesting. So you, you need to understand, like, the purpose behind the goal itself, because that's going to be the motivation, the driver. I see I see that, and I see the the challenge people have with setting a goal that has 
good dimensions around it, almost like the the strength, right? Like the goal is strong enough so you know what success looks like. You talked about have you arrived? Like, will you be able to measure whether or not you achieved your goal? But also understanding there's like different kinds of goals, right? There's there's There are process-oriented goals and there are uh, end-state goals. And I think it's important to clarify what kind of goal you set for yourself so that you are capable of really breaking it down. What, give me an example of those. I mean, I know you're training a lot of folks. Like, give me, can you give me an example of what those, like a different sets of goals might Absol- be? Absolutely. So I, I view, just like you, many goals are like an end state. It's a destination. It's a place you want to get to, right? right. I, I want to get from, you know, New York to LA or, or I forget, forget the cities you use. And, right. you know, where are you starting from so that you can locate yourself to figure out the path to get there? It makes breaking that goal down. Like you can you can identify the cities along the way or the checkpoints to getting to that goal. And that's one type of goal. So when you're thinking about designing your plan of action, you need to be aware of that. The other kind or an other kind of goal is more of a process-oriented goal where it's I need to do a certain amount of things. Like I need to create, make 100 sales calls per month yeah, for the okay. next. So, so then you have to think about how you break that goal down differently and not conflate those two things. Oh, that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. some things, like the destination goals, are things that once you get there, you've checked that box and you may be going completely separate. The the process oriented goals are more about setting up a system or a habit and staying consistent. That makes total sense when you put it that way. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Yeah, and you nailed it where I was where I was gonna go next is that one really leans on the ability to form a habit on a you know a, a certain frequency, and that's the process type goal. And so being aware of that, you need to leverage that skill of identifying that small habit you need to build. Both true in both cases, um, probably in some sense, but certainly with a process goal. That I love that you're highlighting that. Um I think it's one of the superpowers of this book and this process is pointing people less into doing and more into being. And that's kind of the language we talk about. Like, you know, like instead of working on getting to 100 push-ups, which is a destination goal, can I just become the kind of person that works out every day? Mm -hmm. And because of that, I'm never very far away from 100 push-ups. Having done that goal a couple of times, like it does take more than just going to the gym. Um, and I cannot, don't test me, I'm not able to do it now. <laughs> but like that, the, the habits that create who we are, those habitual, uh, they're highly underrated. Because I think a lot of people like those destination goals. Because then they're on to the next thing. Mm. 
I think there's a relationship between those that could serve each other. Like maybe there's a, and, and if you're out there and you, you can relate to this, that you may have a goal you need to set that is a process-oriented goal that will help you get to your destination. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a listener is like, yes, I lack clarity. That's me, 100%. How do we help them to gain that clarity? Well, I think we, we go back to the focusing question. Um, my great fear when we were writing the book for like four and a half years, Gary had been coaching to this thing for over a decade, like using the focusing question for a long time. Remind people of what the focusing question is. Are you testing me? I am. What's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary? And to break that down a little further, you're asking your brain very clearly what's the one thing not what could I do, what could it, should I do, any of those broader, like what's the one thing I can do? That means you can currently, you're asking what I can currently do, not what I could do in the future or would do if I have the time. It's funny how that little bit of specificity gets you to the answer faster, such that by doing it, everything is easier and necessary is really about you're looking for the, the, the most levered activity you have. So when you think about the 80-20 principle, what's that one thing that knocks over a bunch of dominoes for me, right? It's that, it's that action that has the biggest impact that's currently in my arsenal. So that's the focusing question. And I was afraid a lot of people would know the answer. And after having taught this to tens of thousands of people now, the feedback I get most frequently is that they knew the answer, but they weren't asking the question. We're so busy. We're so caught up in our daily lives. We're not stopping to ask, should I be on this path? What path should I be on? And frankly, I think people use that massive activity and busyness as a place to hide. Mm. Well, I'm being really busy. Look at all I'm doing. And that saves them from maybe the hard work of realizing they might be doing the wrong things or that distressing realization. But I think the payoff is definitely worth it if you were willing to ask the question, is this really where I want to be going? Where should I be going? And then, you know, get those questions in place. It's really about having an honest conversation with yourself. You better be ready to be real because if you're not, I mean, you could end up somewhere where you don't want to be. If you're if you're asking yourself and you're listening like to this wondering like I don't even know where to start like I want to I want to be able to think big I want to be able to set goals you're talking about dimensions of goals but I, I don't even know where I want to focus in my life to point this focusing question like where do, where does the laser point a great tool you can use is the seven circles and the seven circles can be a calibration for you at any point to just check in and understand like how am I doing in my life and you look at that that those seven circles like a lens for, for calibrating how you're performing in those areas relative to your own perspective. So, Well, I think the seven circles, for those who are unaware of what we're referring to, are the seven areas in your life that need focus. So you've got your spiritual life, you've got your health, you've got business. Oh God, I might need help getting through all the rest. <laughs> Hold on, I can do it, I can do it. Health, spiritual business, self, or personal, relationships. 
I just looked at it. Today. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> your, your, your spiritual life, like what, like your. I I refer to it as your your kind of operating system, like how you you view the world. You've got your personal life, like the things that fulfill you outside of work. Mm-hmm. You've got your key relationships. I like to say, and I don't know if this is how it resonates with you, but it's those those people you spend the most time with. Mm-hmm. If you look at, uh, call it the five people you spend the most time with. Uh, you've got your job, like how you contribute to the business that you may be working in. You have your business, which... I find that really confusing. Mm-hmm. Please, let's have a dialogue about this so we sure. can have some clarity, not to keep well, going into Let's get into the clarity. list for those who... Uh, okay. And I'm just going to point out you skipped one too. I'm just going in my own mental order, but you, you go ahead. Why, why don't you take us home? But the, like, these are somewhat arbitrary, but they've proven to be fairly true. We just asked the question. It's page 114 in the book. It's the only page I have memorized, right? Because we've I've gone back to it so many times. Is like asking the focusing question is not about like choosing what show to stream on Netflix tonight. It could be, but like it's bigger bigger things. And so we we ask the question. What are the areas of our life that are truly impactful and resonate throughout our life, foundational, that we really want to get right? If we have a chance to get extraordinary in only a handful of things, where do we think we might want to aim that superpower? So we thought the foundation was your spiritual life, right? And I like what you said, your operating system. It doesn't have to be religion, but for most people it is. Your physical health and your mental health, just health, number two. Then your personal life. Like, what do I do in order to create, you know, my own space for myself when I invest time in just myself? Then your key relationships, your job, your business, and your finances. And so job and finances, Sarah is quick to point out, is like people like job and business, what the heck's the difference? Mm -hmm. Well, this is a product of the fact that my co-author and partner, Gary, he's always fundamentally writing to a business owner in, in his mm. mind. He's an entrepreneur and he wants to speak to them. It doesn't mean it doesn't speak to everyone else. So the entrepreneur has to always ask, what's the one thing for my business? That doesn't mean that's their job. Mm-hmm. Their role in the business may be very separate from that. So it was separating those two things. Mm. So when I'm talking to entrepreneurs, that's how I frame it. When I'm talking to employees, I usually say, what's your one thing right? Your job, like the number one activity that drives your success. And then do you understand what the one thing is for the business you work in? And it's usually in their motto, right? You know, Southwest Airlines, right? It's about giving people freedom, right? And they want to, to, you're now free to move about the country. They, They try to focus on removing the friction from travel. So whatever that is, like, how does my job connect to that? Mm-hmm. And so knowing that, even if you're not the business owner, is a great job aid. Does that help at all? Yeah, absolutely. For somebody that might be a caretaker, right? Uh, stay-at-home moms and dads out there. Would their caretaking fall under job? Could it potentially? Yeah, I think so. I think that if their their role, like if my job right now is to be to manage the home business, then the business is our family. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I mean, I look at one of our partners, Jeff, like that's a complex business he's running. Like we stopped at two kids. I can't imagine going that far, right? <laughs> and, you know, like I look at some people's families and that's a that's a big job, mm-hmm. 
I remember the gift I got from one of my coworkers when we had our second child and Wendy chose to stay home. She left her. That was just a choice she chose to make and I'm so happy she did. My friend Mike, who had had three kids, said, Jay, never forget, as tired as you are when you get home, she had a harder job today. Mm. No matter how worn out you are, never make the mistake of thinking your job was harder than her job. And so anyway, it's a job. Yeah, I think... An important thing to remember if you're trying to utilize the seven circles is it's it's whatever it's relevant to you. Like it's however it matters to you. The, the ultimate purpose of this is to give you the opportunity to calibrate and look at introspectively at yourself in areas of your life you may want to focus and bring some alignment to where are you on the journey in each one of these. So it, it's whatever whatever it means to you. It's just a general framework to help you identify how you're doing. And give you a tool to to focus or to point some intention on on making growth. I agree. I think that's a it's a good diagnostic tool that we get people to use. So of all of these areas where do you feel like you have the biggest opportunity if people just have nowhere idea where to start going back to this clarity. Mm-hmm. Clarity sometimes is just picking a direction and starting there. Cuz it can be overwhelming of all the things that you could do like what really should you be focused on today? Well, yeah, I look at the seven circles. I'm like, all those areas need my attention. <laughs> it, it, but that's li- common. That's really common. And so for those people that feel similarly, you know, it's really great advice, Jay, from you to say, like, just pick a direction and go in it. Um, if you're feeling like key relationships is is where you want to spend the most of your time or perhaps finances, you're in a sticky situation you need to get through, just pick a circle and yeah. Go with it. Yeah. And what what we find too is like maybe you have maybe your personal finances are are or your finances is is really strong, but you've got a wedding that you have coming in this year and you you really Sounds need to topical. <laughs> and you really need to be able to uh focus some intention and some goals around that, even though you may uh and this is something that I recommend people do is I have them rate the circles, you know, in, in any system, just so you can have a relative gauge against each one, if it's zero to 10 or whatever. And you might give a five in three areas, but like in the in the example I just mentioned, maybe finances is nine, but you know, you have something going on that you need to focus there regardless. So it's really just to help you, I think as Jay said, have that diagnostic. That's actually a great example. Like, you know, a lot of people... They may be great in like personal finance, but something like a wedding can set them backwards if they're not careful. Mm-hmm. It's just a good reminder that no matter how you might rate yourself on a normal day, the environment we're working and living in is always changing. And so like that's one of the reasons we use that tool so frequently in our work is because it gives people like a snapshot. It's like, how am I doing right now? Because we are in a moving kind of elemental thing. I want to give an alternate. Like if we don't want to go all the way down the path of being very, you know, methodical around using the seven circles, which is a great tool. It's right there in the book for people to play with. I mean, that real simple answer for people is like, I don't even know where to start, is who do you think you could ask that knows you well enough that you might trust with the answer? Mm. That takes a little bit of humility. Like, this may not work with your 15-year-old right now. But (laughs) I think that a lot of us have someone, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's an old friend. If you ask them, it's like, what should I be doing? You can trust them to tell you the hard truth. It just takes us being willing to be a little vulnerable, but 
hopefully it's a really close relationship. It might be a pastor, it might be a coach, it might be a mentor, it might be a friend. But I sometimes think the people who aren't inside our box see the label for what it is, whereas sometimes we're kind of in too close to it. So maybe be willing to get perspective from the outside is a great path to for people. Is that question that you should be asking, what should I be doing with my life? Or is it whatever whatever you feel comfortable asking? I know that that was very specific, but... <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it's, in my experience, people get completely lost on the big questions. They don't get lost on what movie we're streaming tonight. All they end up doing is watching a lot of previews and never getting around to watching a show. That's what happens, right? And it's not a disaster. But with their career, is this the right relationship for me? Right? There are big decisions that feel very stressful and people don't know where to begin. And most of those, while they feel uniquely painful to us, are actually quite common. And not only are there a lot of other people who've gone through them who might be able to share their journey, there's sometimes even professionals that can help you. What should I do with my career? Well, there are people out there that will coach you towards that. Mm-hmm. Some of them who work pro bono. But you can also go to your friends and say, look, if you were to bump into me to five years from now, where do I work? Well, of course, you work in some sort of book business, Jay. Like, you've been obsessed about it your whole life. Like, a lot of times they see the obvious truth that's hiding or we're afraid to look at. So that that's just my point. It's, it's just usually a big question. And it takes you being willing to be a little vulnerable. But usually the people who know us best are people we're okay being vulnerable around. So we know we need to get clear. Yeah. Getting clear means have an idea of where you want to go. And to do that, we need to know where we are today. And why the journey is worthwhile. And why the journey is worthwhile to get you up and out of bed and on track for your goal. Yeah. Some tools you can utilize to gain clarity or at least to start down this path. Seven circles is a a wonderful tool to calibrate. Uh, Utilize your sphere. If you have someone that you trust that can give you some some direction or at least tell you the honest truth Mm -hmm. about areas of relation maybe you want to focus to help set that goal. What else do you see that's common uh, in the pitfalls or challenges? I'll just throw one out, and it's a slow path is trial and error, which is what a lot of people do. We'll just go mm-hmm. try something. And it might work, or at least you'll get closer to the truth. But being not doing anything should never be an option. Um, I think when people have clarity, I think a lot of times they don't know how to connect their clarity about whether it's a process or a destination goal to like an actual activity that'll get them there. And that truly can be something, it might be harder to find the answer. Um, And you may have to experiment or go talk to people. But if you want to become a professional writer, like I've done that, like you need to be writing all the time. You need to read and write a lot. Those are the activities that lead you to that. Reading alone won't do it. Reading is important because we get to experience great writing and hopefully we're learning from it, but the writing is essential. If you're going to be a programmer, you're going to have to code. If you're going to be a professional tennis player, you're going to have to get out on the court and hit some balls. Like There's some obvious truths that sometimes feel so obvious people look right past them. But the big mistake I see is people, like they just don't get clear on an activity that gets them where they want to go. They write down an outcome. I want to reduce my stress or I want to become this. They really need to be thinking about a focused activity they can commit to to get some there. Like if you want to get the old the metaphors of Miami or you want to go to LA, it's only a few choices. You're gonna get on a bus, you're gonna get in a car, you're gonna have a very long walk or a very long ride, or you're gonna get on a plane. There's not that many options. Which one do you want to choose? 
So get going. Yeah, I love that. The a way that I've found success explaining it is destination, right? The goal, where you want to get to, the checkpoints along the way are more like these these maybe monthly goals or these places that are like checkpoints to that destination or, or waypoints to ultimately achieving your goal. And then you have these activities that you need to participate in at a weekly level uh, or even daily that are, are really more like put gas in the car, you know, and <laughs> and things like that. And, and understanding how to think big at your goal, but then go small to the activities. And, and I think that's where sometimes people are challenged to understand, like, what does it mean to go small and what we talk about around a lead domino. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it sounds like you're experiencing it all the time. I think it's it's not a muscle anyone's taught to use. How do I break this down to the simplest set of activities to, to move forward? I just think, let's not complicate it. Let's keep it simple. What do I actually need to be doing to be making progress towards this goal? And our process allows people to kind of refine that over time. Okay, so let's say we're talking to somebody who has the clarity that they need, but they're really struggling in the focus section. Mm -hmm. How do we help those folks? I think I usually go straight to what activity would you regularly take? Do you think that slow or fast would get you there? Start with an answer. And you can then kind of work through, is there anybody in your world that's done that before? Is there anyone that you could read about or study that's done that before? And the clues are usually out there. I mean, that is the truth. If you're willing to go look a little bit under the hood, it's usually a conversation with somebody. Like, I thought I was going to be in law at one point. And my parents were nice enough to introduce me to someone. I said, I'll introduce you, but you have to ask. And I asked, can I shadow you for a day, Mr. Benham? And I was like, I got one look at what lawyers actually do every day. It wasn't Perry Mason. Can you believe that? It was, no, I'm not going to do that. But like, you just have to go ask someone, what does that look like? And then decide if that's going to be right for you. Well, and I think, you know, from a grade school or college level, we teach people to do that, right? We have career development where you have the ability to go out and shadow and ask those questions. And as adults, it's almost like we are scared to do that. Well, that's, that's a great truth in life, Sarah. Like, usually, like, a great test is, like, what would you tell your kid? Mm. And people will immediately get to the hard truth. Like, if it's my kid, I'd be like, you know what? You need to go shadow three or four people. Before you become a mas- massage therapist, find out if you can stand touching people's feet. Like, understand what the reality looks like. But we rarely take our own advice. And so, I think that's just a truth in life. And, and because... One of the good things about being an adult is we don't have to take our advice. But if we're on a journey and we're committed, that goes back to that why. That's where I go back. Well, remember, this is really important to you because mm-hmm. if we know why, then we're willing to do some of those hard things. That motivation piece, I think, is such a huge piece that maybe we're the why, you know, that maybe we're not talking to enough you know, really understanding why you want to move towards this goal, why you're setting this goal. Um, And having that very clear understanding will help to propel you towards it versus hold you back from it. Yeah. I think you can't motivate people. I think that's a myth. But I think you can help them tap into their existing motivation. Most people aren't just, aren't that self-aware. And that's okay. 
Like it's like we don't need to be constantly checking in with why am I doing this? That's a little mm. crazy. I'm I'm a little neurotic that way. That's how I got here. But it is like something we need to just a muscle we need to have somewhere out there where we can ask the question, why is this important to me if it's something really big? Because most big things won't happen in one week or one month. Like if I want to go through college, that's gonna theoretically be three or four years. If I'm getting a PhD, it's gonna be eight. Like Things that are stretching out there, those are the things where you really want to equip yourself with. Have I really been honest about why I'm pursuing this? Maybe sometimes the answer is really simple, and it's so simple, you second guess whether or not it's correct. (laughs) It could could just be exactly what you think, and if that's enough motivation for you, box check, let's roll. Yeah, I just like, like, be aware of it, go date it for a while, right? Write it down with a goal, and if... If it's not working, then you know it's not the right answer. I mean, I know for me, some like with becoming familiar with our system and tools, and and the one thing as I was getting spooled up on on my journey, I found myself doing that too. I'm like, dude, wow, is, is my why like powerful enough and deep enough? And I just found myself coming back to, I'm like, it, am I motivated enough to do it? Yep. Answer, good. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's that's ultimately it. I don't always it doesn't. I think it's important to know that it's relative to you. Is it motivating enough for you? And are you clear on where you want to go? And I think that's enough. Yeah, motivation is not comparative. Like you don't, I remember when I was, you hang out with a bunch of writers and you read about writers. Like they all went through some horrible disaster in their life and they, you know, maybe they smoke cigarettes and drink scotch till midnight and then they start writing their poetry or whatever. Like Stephen King. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm like, that's actually not the recipe. The recipe is they wrote every day. You didn't have to have all of that other baggage. That was specific to them, and they wrote about it, and that's how we know about it. So, like, like don't don't borrow other people's motivation. Just mm-hmm. ask, and it's not comparative. It's just you. What motivates you? Like a lot of what motivates me is really corny, but I'm just going to be honest about it. Like I don't like disappointing people. What motivates you? I don't oh. like disappointing yeah. people. I well, I'm just saying. Like I'm going to say if I tell you I'm going to do it, like I'm very motivated to be in integrity to that statement. And, okay, go figure. Like, But that is like one of my mental tricks for knowing that I'm committed to something. Like, did I make that commitment? And then I have to be courageous when I find out that's the wrong commitment. I have to go and be very direct about it. Mm. Really ties back to your core values. And we talk a lot about that. But, I mean, that's yeah. that can be a real inspirational source of knowledge for you around motivation. Is, is it in alignment with your core values? Yep. So like if we're going to go back and just not beat this, flog this dead horse forever, but like let's get clear about where we're going and why, you know, and, and if you can, where you're starting. Let's get focused on what are the things that I have to do and be honest with ourselves about that. I think the last two are like kissing cousins because we, we often teach them together is have you dedicated time to doing this? Do I have time? And am I protecting that time? And I wondered when we were first writing the book, like whether well, those are two separate conversations. But like Gary had coached thousands of thousands of people, and he was very aware that people will make commitments and even write things down on their calendar and then just not live their calendar. Like that's a whole separate set of behaviors. So I'll show you how this shows up in my world a lot of times because I, I get to manage people. And I'll say like, all right, who wants to be the next host of the podcast? Hey, something in your lives. People will raise their hand and say, me, coach, put me in. Like, one of the things I'll know is, like, a lot of times it's the busiest people who volunteer for the task because they're already committed to to contributing a lot. I want to pull them aside and ask, great, I love that you want to do this. Do you know when you're going to do it? 
And that's when you get that look in their eyes like, I know I want to, but they, they realize they're already overcommitted. Most people are already overcommitted in their lives. So this idea of navigating your time and asking, what am I saying no to to say yes to this? When specifically will I do it? Like when people get clear about that, that's a massive like rubber hits the road moment for me in that journey of you want to write a novel? Great, when are you going to do it? Well, I'm going to get up an hour early and I'm going to try to write for 30 minutes every day. Like, I love that plan. Great, go do that plan. You know, when specifically, it's daily. You can, there's all, we can go deep on, you can build habits. But like, that first step of committing to the time, you've got to, you got to put it out there. Otherwise, it just won't happen. I think you mentioned this earlier, Sarah, about you think it's a two-hour task, but when you actually sit down and look at it, you're like, oh, crap, this is like a 20-hour task. Mm -hmm. That little process of navigating the time it's going to take to do it even no matter how tricky that is, like without that, it doesn't get done. Yeah, that's that, that assess, check, and adjust. It's so important. You know, it, what is that? What is that? Assist, what? Ass- check and adjust? Assess, assess, reassess, and check and adjust. You know, it's. It, that like, sounded like a Michael Scott ism. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I was wondering if that was like a pilot-ism or something. So oh. You said it like I should know what it is. That oh, sounds no. like a recess, assess, whatever. So oh, okay. walk, walk me through that. Well, like to put it all on a bumper sticker, it's like figure out where you want to go, right, first. Then what is it going to take to get there? And what are the high ROI activities that I can identify that are going to give me the the 80% of the weight of my results, the 80-20, right? What are the 20% ROI activities that are going to give me the 80% of results to get there? That's that's the path. You know, then how do you identify and create the space and time to make it possible? Then honor that time. Which is the last step. Yeah, then, yeah, exactly. I, I don't want to overcomplicate this idea of creating space. I love the way you just said that. Like, I think about blocking my calendar, which is literally what I do. It's like, I go and I make appointments with myself to do whatever it is I said. And I've found that myself and a lot of people, if they put something on their calendar, that is a pretty good starting point. Like, your phone will vibrate 15 minutes before you're supposed to do it. Like, it's a, like my son, I asked him how he remember to do his task. I didn't even know this. He goes to his phone and he creates a new alarm and he labels the alarm, walk the dog. So in a 24-hour period, I was like, well, you just taught me a fun little productivity hack I didn't know was possible. But I said, you realize that only works in a 24-hour time period. Mm -hmm. Like you will remember to close the garage door or whatever it is I told you to do today or tomorrow morning. And he goes, yeah, I probably need a system for next week. And I said, yeah, (laughs) it's called a calendar. Um, But we're we're getting there, right? Um, Common pitfall. Sorry to interrupt you, Jay. I was going to say common pitfall I see or hear about with time blocking and customers that even ones that are highly experienced and, and listening to our process and, process and get motivated by it, want to hit the ground running, so they over block their calendar. They, they try to bite off too much, fail to honor their time blocks. We were talking about that before we started mm-hmm. recording. Like, mm-hmm. like, do y'all have white space on your calendars? Mm-hmm. Because if you're doing big things, and like when we usually teach people to do the big stuff early in the day, um, it's going to unwind all the things you didn't anticipate that other 18 hours that Sarah mentioned on the mm. two-hour task. Like, that stuff starts to show up. That's when it's going to get handled is in that slack time. Mm. So it is really important. So I do think people overcommit their time. That leaves them no space for the unexpected. 
Um, and I also think that they block their most important task on their calendar. They try to create space where they don't control that space. So Ooh, like if you're in you, a, Sorry. I was going to ask you to dig into that as you're digging into that. And I totally you did it. stepped on your toes. No, no. It's a, it's a sign that you really want that answer. I do. I think a lot of people do. And I think it's... Uh, you ask people, why can't you complete your time blocks? The first thing they'll say is, I can't control my time. My boss calls me into a meeting or whatever that. So I usually try to get people. I said, that's tough. I get it. You have a job. You don't have 100% control of your time. And habits are easy to undo. You did it four days in a row, and the fifth day, your boss blew up your schedule. And then Monday, it felt like you'd lost your momentum, and it was hard to restart. Like That's how, that's how momentum works. Start by working in time that you do control. Right. If your dog, if your boss shows up at six and is there till six, right, you know that you're un, if you're unwilling to go in before or after, then you're going to have to do it out of work, where you're out of sight or out of mind and can reasonably say, "I was away from my phone." And we hear about this: people who, you know, go to law school at night because they want to improve their lives, or I, I, because I'm a nerd and I'm a writer, I read about people who wrote novels on trains going to work or got up early and did it. Like there are moments in our days where we do have a lot of control. And so find them. Like I, somebody was asking me like, why do I do so many activities between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m.? Is I know that my partner, Gary, has a series of executive meetings early in the day and I am unlikely to get anything urgent from him until at least 10 a.m. That's such a pro hack, and I definitely follow suit of that, where I will look at the most important people on our team's calendars and then block my biggest rocks or or my biggest priorities whenever they're in their big meetings so that I know they're not going to call me and I can get something done distraction-free. Every EA, I'm just going to validate what you just said, Tara. Every EA I've ever worked with if you ask them and they were being honest, like, when are you most productive? It's when Jay's on the road. <laughs> you have to keep it relative to you as well. I mean, this is well represented in the book about, about willpower, but, you know, looking at your calendar and where you block time for your most important things. Yes, the variables about, you know, your, your interdependencies, your boss, but also know where you're going to have your strongest mental effort and energy. True. And I mean, the, the research shows that we're more likely to do hard things consistently earlier in the day, mm -hmm. whatever early represents for us. If you get up at noon every day, that's your morning. Like, I don't want to judge. Like, it doesn't have to be an hour. If you're a lark, you're a lark. If you're an owl, you're an owl. I've found great benefit from being a lark because there's a lot fewer of them. And if you're waking up at noon, the world's already been texting you for about three hours. You're behind the curve. <laughs> right. But if you wake up at 5 a.m., I, unless somebody was texting me late at night, I got nothing waiting for me other than spam in my email folder, and I've got a few hours that I can control. So I'm biased, but I also know that people get it done both ways. Just get it done early in your day when you have the ability to say yes when you may not want to say yes. That's what willpower does for you. Well, and then the last step in all of this is protecting it right? We yep. set these major priorities on our calendar. We have these blocks. We've said, okay, I'm going to set two hours to start writing my novel. But if you go into that and you let it all fall by the wayside and you say yes to people who come knocking on your door at that time, you're not protecting your time block. 
So the like one of the strategies we already hit was maybe a forecast of this. I think if you start with time that you have a huge degree of mm-hmm. control over, you're protecting it from the get-go. Like when my wife and I first started working out, we started working out at 5 a.m. Because we knew our kids would both be dead to the world. <laughs> and they wouldn't be able to interfere with us. Like they just, unless they were sick, they did not get up for several hours. So we just tried to create a time where the thing that was most likely to interfere with us would not interfere. And then we talk about, like, it really depends on the kind of activity. You know, are there places where you tend to have more focus? You know, like, we're in the luxury of recording in a studio with microphones and everything. Like, this feels like a very focused environment for this activity. It seems like a best practice. Now you look up, maybe writing, you find a a groove where you go write. If you're presenting, like, and you're preparing to present, Chris, and, like... Do you have a ritual? Like a lot of times you talk to experienced people, you'll find they have rituals. And that's where they've figured out they can go and preserve their focus to do this important thing. Well, and I think for a lot of people who during COVID things shifted and they started working from home, protecting your time block became even more challenging and important at the same time because you've got a screaming kid at home. If you're like me, you've got a tiny puppy that's running around and biting your ankles. (laughs) There are just so many possible distractions. Working around that has even become such a challenge. That's so real. That's And it's so true. I mean, I can't tell you how many times you'll, like I've had in the last couple of years, someone who's working from home, literally I can see that they're in their car. And it's not that they're in transit. It's that the house is too chaotic for them to actually be doing work in their home. So I got back to an office environment as fast as I could because I'm actually not very focused in those environments. Like, it's very important for me to have what we call a bunker. Mm -hmm. Like, if I can go and face the wall or the corner or whatever, like, where I don't have distractions, I'm a lot better. I heard an interesting challenge with the transition from to work from home from office life that I hadn't thought about, which might be interesting here. And it was uh, the owner of a, a company that we're working with. And he had identified that having their team work from home meant they could be less oriented on the, the how things were getting done and had to be more oriented on where they wanted to get to. And that they had a gap in the ability for people to self-identify the how. And I'll try to bring this back full circle. If you think about when you're working in an office, like it's inherently, you're there in an office together because you want to kind of force some of the how into how you achieve goals into the equation. And by forcing an environment and forcing behaviors, but when you shift to work from home, now there's little to no insight or oversight on how how people are creating productivity at home. You really have to be focused on where they need to get to in a period of time. So there's a new solve that needs to happen around a framework of creating how and, and, and supporting people and how they get to their goals. And I think that really ties back to being first clear on where you need to get to so that everyone knows what success looks like and then supporting the focus and the tools and the path to achieving them. I love that. And I just, I want to be, For me, I don't really weigh one or the other. I think it's something we learn about ourselves. I know people that are far more productive in a home environment doing their work, and some people like me that are more comfortable and more productive in a public. Like, I like having witnesses. Like I I told you before, 
disappointing some people is not good. So like I tend to do better when there's a witness. And that's just I've learned that in 52 years of being on this earth that that's true for me, and I just play with it for what it is. There's some work task, like you know what if you're doing food processing, sorry, you don't get to do that from home. You need to be in the kitchen, right? There's some work that could lend itself to one or the other and some that don't. And so I just think that is something that people have to work out for themselves. But we have to ask the question, if I don't have a choice about where I do the work, I have to now be strategic on how do I approach it from when and where so that I have the best ability to do it. So how do I keep people from distracting me? Mm -hmm. Um, Do I have everything I need to do the job that I said I was going to do? Because a lot of times, us futzing around and getting everything just perfect, you know, it's like, that's just an excuse for working. What did you do today? Well, I set up my work for tomorrow. I'll let me tell you about that. <laughs> no, like I, could, I can play that game all day. I can research before I write for a decade. But at some point, you have to, you have to get to the task. Um, I think maybe the most effective way is if you're in an environment with other people, is to figure out how your win is a win for them. How do we get aligned on this? Mm. And I've done a lot of bribing with kids, right? <laughs> right. If you'll just watch this DVD for an hour, or if you'll leave mom and dad alone for this period of time, we all get to do this. We'll go to Kirby Lane and have breakfast for dinner, whatever that is. Like, what's a reward? If it's just stay out of my business, I need to focus now. That's a true statement. But like, how do we align things for each other? Um, is a bigger hack for me. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and get their permission and get them. Because it's amazing how much kids will love, like my kids love pointing out when I'm multitasking, right? They love it. They get to get me and I've empowered them. You know, you can empower people in your world to kind of say, call you about, hey, shouldn't you be working right now? Didn't you say this was really important time? But you have to give them that authority. So I'm going to go around the horn and put you on the spot. What is one thing from this episode, talking about pitfalls that listeners can take away and start implementing tomorrow. We're all looking at you, Chris. We're putting you on the spot. <laughs> we're, we're, am I looking at me too? Uh, <laughs> wow, that, that's a great question. And I, I I think it's it's really, if you could take one thing away from, in, in my opinion, it's have a, a methodology and a framework to stay focused on where you want to go. Okay, good takeaway. Yeah. For me, it's always the foundation. If I'm not clear about where I'm headed, like everything else is kind of secondary. So my reminder, and it's one of the reasons I've given myself over to this process and I allow other people to hold me accountable is I want to make sure that I've got as much perspective as I can if I pick the right goal and am I going to the right destination. I think my key takeaway is still, you know, just block all your time when your boss is busy. (laughs) 